0: Welcome to What I Wish I Learned in Law School. My name is Audrey Earhart, and I, just like you, am a practicing attorney, but I'm also the CEO and founder of Practice 42. At Practice 42, our goal is to build and sustain successful law practices across the nation. We do that in so many different ways, and I can't wait to talk to you more about that. Right now, I want you to know we're going to go ahead and focus on how you can become the next guest on my podcast, What I Wish I Learned in Law School, and share so much of your journey with our audience. I'm so excited. It's going to take about 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go ahead and jump in.
1: And with us right now, it is Sarah Cons. Sarah, you're in in Appleton, Wisconsin. And would you tell us about the work that you do, your firm, etc.?
2: Well, we're uh, an elder law and estate planning firm. We have three locations, Appleton, Oshkosh, and Green Bay. So we kind of handle all of Northeast Wisconsin. Um, all of the attorneys at the firm, we do nothing but estate planning and elder law. So um, it's a kind of a boutique practice, which yeah. I think is sort of the way the legal field is going. Um, and it's something I enjoy.
1: You just said that that's kind of the way that the law is going. Tell me more about that.
2: Well, it's, uh, I think the medical industry went this way I'll, I'll, a number of years ago and now it's kind of like attorneys are catching up where
1: truly specializing
2: yeah that is it's you you can't just do a little bit of everything anymore because you're you're sort of doing a disservice to your clients if you try to do that you you if you try to do too much you can only know a little bit about what you're doing rather than really understanding a lot about the area of law that you've chosen to practice in and then give better advice to your clients as a result
1: do you think that there's, um, what what happens if, let's say someone, you know, they've, they've just graduated law school, they still don't know, like, what their niche of a niche is? Like, what advice would you give them? <laughs> um, Figure it out quick, other than that. No, don't. <laughs> oh, really? Okay.
2: Don't. Don't think that you know what it is that you're going to do. Don't think that you have to have to know that in your first year or even your first couple of years. Because if you if you stay committed to that, if you just if you refuse to let go of that, that perception of what you think you should be doing, you're not going to ask yourself whether or not that's what you want to be doing. Uh, I, I made that mistake where I, I thought I knew what it was that I wanted to do. I I prepared for it. I Um, I I was adamant that I wanted to be a litigation attorney. And so I spent a lot of time in law school doing... different types of projects and doing anything that could actually get me into a courtroom and actually doing things, anything that had some sort of applicability, working with clients directly. Um, And it was all to further that goal. I started with a litigation firm and um, became partner in a litigation firm. And it was so hard for me to let go of that idea that that's what I wanted. It wasn't until I had accomplished all of what I thought I wanted that I realized none of it was satisfying. None of it made me happy. I didn't feel like I was doing something that improved the people I worked with. Mm. And even though litigation, you're, you know, you're helping people through really difficult times. You, I didn't feel like I was doing anything that put them in a better position than before I met them. And it took me a long time to realize it wasn't that I needed to find different types of clients or that I needed to litigate in a different way or a different approach. I mean, I tried other things like alternative dispute resolution, mediation, you know things that were a different approach to solving that you know that type of a problem. and it, it didn't change how I felt about what I did. It wasn't until I started looking at alternative areas of law entirely that I realized I had a different path that I was supposed to be on. and I think I would have realized that sooner if I had given myself the opportunity to really think, is this what I want? Is this, you know, even though I did all of this in law school, is this what I want to continue doing now? Is this what my future is going to be?
1: In your work today, um, what do you do day to day that maybe a student may not have a a really good understanding of what life is like on a regular basis?
2: I think private practice in general, there's so much that you don't learn in law school? I mean, when you own a practice, um, you have to do so many things beyond practice law. Um, I think with some firms, you can focus initially just like on practicing, but as you become more involved in the actual management of your law practice, and you try to expand how, you know, how you approach it, you have to learn how to do things that You never realized that you needed to, I mean, COVID was a a huge wake up call for, for so many people in so many ways. And the management of a law practice is no different. I I've routinely described COVID to people as a time where we had to come up with creative solutions to really weird problems. And you, you don't learn that kind of stuff in law school at all. Um, You don't learn the, the people interactions or the, you know, how to evaluate what technology your law firm needs or how you want your, the entity that you create to be taxed. I mean, these are all things that you have to figure out as you go. And then you're also supposed to be practicing law and being proficient and continuing to maintain good education on that too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of, you know, like operations, um, you're know, obviously one of your key pieces of technology or software is a practice management, you know, how do you track everything, right? And that's, that would be part of that work that, you know, is again, is just more than just you know, law, you know, itself, but there's, you know, relationship management and, you know, client billing and that sort of thing. How does that, like, have you gotten into a pretty good groove on that? Or how is that side of private practice work?
2: It's been interesting. Um, I think there's a lot of different approaches to that. Um, There are plenty of attorneys that don't pay any attention to it. And um, I mean, you can, especially if you have partners, you also have to understand that your approach isn't going to be the same as everybody mm-hmm. else. So you kind of have to find a, a happy medium with everything, but you have to understand what you need to know. You know, what is it that you should be keeping an eye on and how do you accumulate that information? And then how often are you looking at it? Do you know what's good and what's bad? You know, I, I went through a process a couple years ago of trying to figure out what is the actual cost to doing a trust for a client, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. down to like the ink and the paper. What oh. does it actually cost us to do this? Because, you know, we're talking about how we set pricing and, you know, how we how we do billing and things like that. But you can't do that if you don't know what the cost of your product is. Yeah. And a lot of it is subjective because it's time and it's you know your education that you're putting into it. But you have to think of the practicalities as well, something else they don't really talk about in law school.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Pricing is a big one, right? Because I think a lot of times practicing attorneys, like if they're responsible for setting the price, the temptation would be, all right, well, how many hours is this going to take me and blah, blah, blah. And, and it's very um, kind of an internal based calculation. Whereas I don't know that clients really, I don't know, like how do you, what's your philosophy on, on, on pricing? Um,
2: so with pricing, Most attorneys have a hard time charging what they do. Yes, and it's not because they they struggle with billing; it's because they have a hard time. I think believing in their own value, Mm. and there's, I watched a a video not that long ago on um, different types of consumers and approaches to how they make decisions about what they buy.
0: Yeah, and it
2: really changed how I approached marketing and how I approached billing. Um, because you so much of it is getting the person on the other side so the client or the potential client to understand the value of what you do and once they have once they're they understand the value or they agree that there is value the the pricing ends up kind of falling into place. Yeah.
1: And the value to them most importantly, I would say, right? What is it worth for you to have a trust in place? What is the you know potential risk that you're mitigating? You know, what is how does this improve your life and anchoring to that, right? Like you yeah. To get
2: them excited. Yes. About it. I mean they're not people think that i sit around and talk to people about death all day and that isn't true i talk to them about like how they met their spouse or what their kids are doing or you know what they did for a living and it's it's always conversations that they're excited about and they're happy to impart. And I mean there are there can be difficult conversations as well but most of the time they're telling me their story. And when I talk to them about planning I'm not telling them, you know, well this is this is the language we're going to use to get this, you know, this tax treatment and that's going to get them real excited. I mean I have some engineering and some accounting clients where that may that may speak to but most people they want to hear about how it's going to help the people that they care about and that's what they get excited about and then that's what they value. It's not the paper it's not the, the binder. It's not the words that you put on a page. It's how you make them feel. I, um, my, one of my mentors once told me that the, the people that you meet with, with what we do with estate planning and elder law, the complexity of it, they're not going to remember what you told them, but they are going to remember how you made them feel. And that's always stuck with me. Wow.
1: Sarah, Um. In terms of growth and, and, you know, building new relationships and, and um, you know, client acquisition and so forth, what do you see working well today versus maybe stuff that philosophically like, yeah, I don't really spend my time focused on that. like what, Where do you like to focus on uh, in terms of activity that ultimately, again, leads to new clients that you get to work with and have an impact in the lives of?
2: Uh, For our area, I think education is really important. Um, People are intimidated um, when it comes to, especially estate planning, because they feel like they don't know enough to go in and talk about it or to go in and ask good questions. I mean, I have so many people who study in advance of meetings just to make sure that they, they can participate in the conversation in a way that adds value. And so I think education to help people feel comfortable with the topic is a huge part of marketing for this area of law. Uh, so that people don't hesitate to come in and talk to you because they, they feel like they need to understand the vocabulary before they even start the process. I, I think online presence is incredibly important. I, I still interact sometimes with attorneys that don't even have a website. Mm. I, don't, I don't understand that. Oh dear. Um, so I, I think it's important that you are not only online, but you make it easy. And it's, it's something that works in a variety of different um different types of devices so that it's accessible to people. If you work for um, in areas of law where you're working with people that potentially have disabilities, you have to make sure that the way that you're choosing to communicate, you can modify so it's approachable to everybody. Um, I think estate planning is often, um, some of the, the populations that are underserved are people where English is not their first language. Um, it's it We need to be more accessible to the people that need our help because otherwise we're, we're you know,
1: we're not really doing our job. Sarah, tell us a little bit about, you know, um, the law, uh, the way that you said Hooper, not Hooper Law. Oh, Hooper Law
2: Office.
1: Hooper Law Office, yeah. So what would be your, kind of your USP compared to other elder law options that are out there Hooper obviously has gone through some you're growing, you're working with you have a great book of business. Um, what makes you unique in the world or in the space of elder law? Or, you know, again, what, what would you say? Yeah, this is, I think, what we pride ourselves on.
2: Uh, I think education is definitely a big yeah. part of it. We, we spend a lot of time educating people, um, both myself and my business partner. We teach all across the country. So that's a big part of what we do. Um, we also, all of the attorneys focus in different areas, even within estate planning and elder law. So within, within subsets of that, we have expertise that each attorney is unique and is known for. And they, they all have a process that they set up to help people walk through some of these complicated decisions or some of these complicated topics. So I think that kind of helps set us apart the, the commitment to education and how much we really focus on the different areas just within these two practices, estate planning and elder law.
1: Say someone's listening to this episode, and they're like, oh, "I would love to connect with Sarah. Maybe networking. Um, maybe they're in the region, and they want to see if you're hiring. You know, that sort of thing. Um, what are the best ways to connect with you, or engage with you, or somehow, you know, get in touch with you know someone from from Hooper?"
2: Well, our website is uh, we try to make very accessible. We spent about two years writing it. It was important to us to write all of the content ourselves. So our website is um, definitely a good way to reach out. And
1: what is that URL? Um,
2: HooperLawOffice.com.
1: HooperLawOffice.com. Great, great, great. Awesome. Well, Sarah Kahn, thank you so much. And, and again, your role there is uh, one of the principals, one of the... Uh, one of the partners. One of the partners. Awesome. Sarah, thank you so much.
2: Thank you very much.
0: It's Audrey Earhart here. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast, What I Wish I Learned in Law School. Listen, if you are a successful attorney and you want to share your message and you have something that you want to give back here, I would love you to be to have you there to be a part of my program. And that's again the What I Wish I Learned in Law School platform. That's our podcast. This is where you're really going to have the opportunity to share our amazing message. And listen, if you got something out of this interview, it's really important that you share our podcast with your social media. It's not just about our social media where we're going to be putting this out on our Instagram, Practice32, our Facebook, practice 2. You'll even see it on my LinkedIn, Audrey. And you'll also see it on practice LinkedIn as well. We really want you to be part of this community so we can get your unique message out we're putting out so so much content on a weekly basis, I know you're gonna find something that piques your interest. You can learn from, share with your audience too. And listen, you can just do a quick screenshot of your phone number and text it to a friend so they can take a look at everything. They can see what you're up to on social media. They can see what we're up to. And really, this is the way that we're going to help our lawyer community learn what they need to know. There's so much that none of us learned in law school about how to run a business, how to optimize our processes, how to get the right marketing for our practice, how to use legal techniques which changes on a daily basis listen let's get connected let's stay connected i'm so appreciative of you for being here thank you for listening and we'll see you next time